them. He approached Jesus to kiss him. <clears throat> Excuse me. But Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard and the elders who had come to him, Am I leading a rebellion that you have come with swords and clubs? Every day I was with you in the temple courts, and you did not lay a hand on me. But this is your hour when darkness reigns. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and hearing of his holy and divine word. I'm going to ask if you'd bow for a moment and let us pray. Wise and eternal Father, we thank you for another opportunity to be in your house, to be in the sanctuary, our safe haven. We pray now, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that uh, you would decrease me, allow your spirit to increase in this place, that your word will go forth and not come back void, but it will truly be a blessing, will truly encourage someone and challenge someone today to be all that they can be in you. This is my prayer today. I asked it all in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. I pray. Amen. Today, before I get into the word of God, um, I wanted to take an opportunity to, um, to thank you all, to thank this congregation, uh, thank the leadership here. Um, I want to thank you for a couple of reasons. One, I want to thank all of those who have taken the time and the opportunity to come and fellowship with Wenton. Um, it has been a joy um, seeing people come and go, um, fellowshipping with one another. Uh, we've shared some wonderful times. And I want to take this opportunity to, to thank you all personally for doing that. I also want to thank you for allowing us to come when we came and, uh, and minister in our context. Um, I want to thank you for that because sometimes that's, it's difficult to open your doors up and allow people to experience something different. And so on behalf of Winton, I want to thank you for that. I also want to personally thank those who have come to me and said, um, how should we address you? What do you want to be called? And I said, you know, it, it, it really takes a brother and sister in Christ to come recognizing that, that we have some traditional and cultural differences. And I shared with Pastor Drew and I, I shared with the transition team. Um, I said, you know, I really prefer to be called Pastor Chip. I said, that is my, that is my preference. Um, I come from a long-standing tradition. I've got people that won't call me anything but Pastor Hall. I've got people that won't call me anything but Reverend Hall. That's where they are. And I said, you know, I want to I still honor the traditions that I come from, but I, I want to help move folks a little bit to a more personal relationship with one another as we want to have in Christ. 
So I'm sharing that with everyone. That is my, my preference. And when you see those folks from Winton come in that won't call me anything but Pastor Hall, please tell them that it's okay to call me Pastor Chip. Amen? <laughs> Amen. If you have your word today, the reset journey, I thought I was going to have to come up and, and sort of tug on Reverend Chappie's uh, coattail a little bit. He was sort of getting into my message, but it's nothing like having the message of God confirmed with the Word of God. The series that we are on is a powerful series called Reset, which is challenging us to have a different perspective, a different look at who Jesus is. If you've been with us, or if you're a newcomer today, the first week we have been dealing with that Jesus is real. He was born in realness. He was conceived in realness. The second Sunday, which was last Sunday, we talked about the uniqueness of Jesus Christ and the reality that what really makes him unique is he's unfair. We dealt with the prodigal son story last week and uh, it was, we ended, at least at Winton, we ended with, we were so glad that Jesus was unfair that he could meet us in the midst of our sinful state and welcome us back home. But today, we are taking a look and we are being challenged today to look at the realities that Jesus is a revolutionary. Our text today... If you know um, anything about what happens to Jesus after he completes his ministry, um, his preaching ministry, he, he has come to the earth to fulfill one mission, and that is to go to the cross. But on the way to the cross, after the Lord's Supper, Jesus leaves the upper room, he travels through the Kidron Valley, and he ends up in the Garden of Gethsemane. There in the garden, he asked his disciples to do one thing, watch, actually two, and pray. Observe, because something is about to happen right now that is literally revolutionary. And on three occasions, he comes back to the disciples and he finds them according to the gospel accounts and it comes up in every single gospel account. It's in Matthew, it's in Mark, it's in Luke, and it's in John. That the disciples are slumbering and sleeping. They just can't seem to stay awake. And Jesus comes one time and Jesus comes two times. And by the third time he says, I've, I've, I've had enough. The betrayer is coming. And that's where we pick up the text in Luke 47 through the 53rd verse. It is in these texts that the betrayer comes with a kiss. According, not in this gospel, but according to the gospel of John, Peter jumps up with a sword. He cuts off the high servant's, priest servant's ear. And Jesus steps in and says, Stop. This is about a revolution, but not this kind of revolution. 
We are not here, and these are, I'm paraphrasing Jesus' word, to take up the sword and fight, but there's another battle that we are fighting. And the revolution and the revelation that I believe that we are to get today is not with the sword, but with our understanding. Listen, to revolt, to be a revolutionary, the definition of revolt is to have a sudden or radical or complete change. It goes on to say that to revolt is to overthrow or the overthrowing of a ruler and a fundamental change in the way of thinking or visualizing something. Peter, in our text today, becomes uh, the metaphor for the church. Jesus said very clearly, uh, Peter, whose former name was Simon, I'm going to change your name because upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. And in this text, Jesus intercedes with Peter because he wants him to understand the revolution is not what you think it is. It's a revolution and a change in the way that we embrace and understand Christ. He wants Peter to surrender. Not parts, but literally every single thing that he has. But how many of you all understand today that there can be no surrender until the mind surrenders? Can you go to that first slide for me? Our primary text today is going to be out of Luke 9, but we can't even get to Luke 9 until we travel through Philippians 2 and 5. Philippians 2 and 5 says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. I'm standing today making a proclamation that the church will never really understand how much of a revolutionary Jesus Christ is until we have the mind of Christ. Amen. But, Pastor, that's very much easier said than done. And what does it mean, literally, to have the mind of Christ? Well, as I looked at this text, I tried to figure out what does it, what does it mean to really think like Jesus. Because here's the reality. Once you begin to think like Jesus, you can then walk like Jesus. Once you begin to think like Jesus, then you can talk like Jesus. Once you begin to think like Jesus, then we can begin to act out like Jesus. But here's the challenge. How do we get this mindset of Jesus Christ that, that Paul is talking about in Philippians 2 and 5? Well, I need you to understand today that we are made up both physically and spiritually of many different components. Yes, we are mind, we are body, and uh, according to the folks who, who write up things, we're soul, but we are also spirit. And the reality of 
grasping, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. So when we get to Luke 9 in just a minute, we'll have a further understanding of it. It literally means that we have to embrace something that, that literally Satan and the world is trying to suppress. And that is the spiritual man slash woman, because it's neutered, that resides in all of us. In other words, how does the spiritual man rule and have control and suppress the carnal man which exists in all of us? Let me tell you how we do it. The, the reality is it determines which one we decide to feed. Don't miss that now. This is a very critical point. If there is a spiritual man and if there's a carnal man which resides in us, the one that will rule is the one that is nourished and the one that will succumb will be the one that is malnourished. Well, how do we do that, Pastor? Well, it's simple. The one that you decide to feed the most is the one that will thrive. Every decision that the church makes, every decision that you have to make in this life will come through one of two filters. It will either come through your spiritual filter or it will come through your carnal filter. God says, if you are in me and I am in you, there is a radical concept that he wants us to get today that he wants everything that we do to be filtered through a spiritual understanding. But the only way that the spiritual man will thrive is we've got to feed it, nourish it, so that it dominates over the carnal man. Well, watch this. How you feed it is simply this. Um, I remember uh, my kids, my, most of my kids are grown now. I have one, one child that is, is not grown. My, my wife sent her apologies with my daughter today. They, they couldn't be here this morning. My, my daughter hadn't been feeling that well, so they're going to come to the next service. Um, so she sends her apologies. Uh, hopefully some of you all saw Miss Maya, my 12-year-old. Um, I've got four other children. They're, they're, uh, they're three other children. They're grown. I'm, gosh, I'm giving myself an extra child. Um, I'm, I'm, a little bit, I'm a little bit older than I look, and I thank God for that. If, if I see November 25th, I will, will see my 50th birthday, and, uh, and I thank God for that. Um, but the reality of having children is sometimes they ask questions that, that need realistic answers. Because, you know, uh, my kids, and I, I know your kids probably don't do this, but my kids love to eat junk food. <laughs> I mean, they love Twinkies and, and, and Ding Dongs and all of the stuff that tastes good but really has no nutritional value. And so they would ask me, well, Daddy... Why can't we eat this? Why can't we eat that? Why can't? And I would always say to them, you are what you eat. You are what you eat. And they said, well, Daddy, what do you mean by that? I said, well, today, if, if, if I let you go to school and all that you've eaten is a Pop-Tart, when you go to class, you really, you technically are a Pop-Tart. <laughs> and the problem with eating a Pop-Tart is you get this sugar high. You get a rush. It, it makes you feel as if you have something that can stick to your ribs, but the reality is you're going to come down relatively quickly because there's no real nutritional value in flour, sugar, and water. 
It's just not there. And the same thing happens in the Christian life. If we are not feeding the spiritual man, we cannot let this mind be in us that is also in Christ Jesus. So watch what you eat, for that which you nourish will dominate. Okay, I need you to go to the second slide. Thank you. Then Jesus, then he said to them all, if any wants to become my follower, let them deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. This is a radical concept. Denying oneself. Literally, what is being said today, my brothers and sisters, is is surrender. But here's the reality of the word surrender. We don't like that word because it means we lose. And we live in a world where losers are not glorified. Amen? We live in a world where the reality is, don't let them see you sweat. Be the best that you can possibly be. And win at all costs. But Jesus says, if you want to come after me, then you're going to have to embrace this radical concept which literally has denying oneself. But, but watch this. There's a more radical concept than just denying oneself because he goes on to say, pick up your cross daily and follow me. Pick up the cross daily and follow me. There, there are two revelations that I got out of this that I want to share with you because I believe today that, that the church is trying to multitask, amen, when Jesus said, don't multitask, I want you to understand this in a, in a very uh, monolithic, one-way perspective. Watch out, I want you to see this. The revelation today for the church is in picking up the cross. Now, I want you to understand something um, uh, um, about pastorship. I, I try to preach in the tradition of Jesus Christ, very much so. The tradition of Jesus Christ, Jesus loved to tell stories. He loved to do parables. He, would not, he knew people could not really grasp the theological realities of the kingdom in heaven and how it applies on earth. So he would do simplistic things to get people to say, oh, that makes sense. It makes sense that he's talking about farmers and, and crops and all of the things that the people um, were, were familiar with. So today I want to show you the reality of what picking up the cross is. Can I borrow? Is this your, your daughter? Your granddaughter. Can I borrow you for a second? Can you do me a favor? Can you do me a favor? Can you hold these for me? Can you stand up? Are they heavy? They're, no, they're not? Okay. <laughs> kind of. Can you do me a favor? Can you go up there and pick up that cross for me? <laughs> and you don't have to, you can, oh. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. You are Wonderful. Thank you. Whew. Only the Holy Spirit could have done what she did. Thank you. 
Here, here's the reality. I was, I was hoping that she was going to put these down and then pick up the cross. But she didn't. She, she switched it over and she multitasked exactly the way that the church does. God knew, and I believe that Jesus knew, that, that we would try to do multiple things when the text says, pick up the cross and follow me. Now, when you pick up the cross and really understand what you've got, you will have to put other things down. You did a, you did a wonderful job. Thank you so much. Thank you. But what Jesus really wants us to do is lay these things down. Now, I want to show you how there's a theological conflict because you, you can easily say, well, wait a second, preacher, this is the word of God. You're exactly right. But in context to the cross, we need to lay it down. And here's why. Because Psalms 119 says, uh, and David writes Psalms 119, we need to hide the word in our heart so you don't necessarily need to carry that around which is in you and it has become a part of you. Amen. Second thing is, listen, choir, you all, you all sing beautifully. You all sing beautifully. As one who can appreciate music, I love to hear good singing through all genres of music. You are to be commended today. I heard it. Sound good. I almost wanted to join you, but uh, I didn't know exactly what you were going to say. <laughs> Sometimes, though, we need to put the songbooks down because we don't necessarily need to carry the songs, not literally, this is a spiritual metaphor that I'm, that I'm saying, but in order to truly embrace the cross, everything else must be put down because really when you grab it, let me tell you what you've got. You literally, in grabbing the cross, have a tiger by the tail. A tiger by the tail. Let me tell you a quick story. I'm a car enthusiast. Last week, I'm in the, in the midst of having my car fixed and upgraded. I made the mistake of going out, letting a guy talk me into getting into a twin turbo S4 Audi that, a, that this gentleman has modified to race. And uh, we, we said, you know, I'd like to go out and ride it right in it, see what, it's, what it feels like. I have never in my life, Brother Chappie, felt what I felt. If any of you all have ever been in a car and it moved so fast that literally it felt like someone was standing on your chest, that's what I got to feel. And I promised God, God, if you just let me make it back to the shop. <laughs> I promise you, I will not request this anymore and here's here's the here's the, re the connection with this sometimes you get what you ask for we asked for this connection to the cross but according to the text and here's the radical thing in order to really carry it we've got to deny ourselves and lay certain things down so we can pick the cross up Okay, the second revelation is this. 
and I'm going to keep this, I'm going to keep this with me because I want it to help me understand that I, I need to carry this daily. The second thing is the relationship to the cross. Let me tell you how radical this is. It is radical for Jesus Christ to tell any Jew, you need to pick up the cross. You need to pick up the cross and carry it daily. If you want to follow after me, you have to embrace the thing that is so contrary to Judaism. The cross in Judaism represents death. The cross in Judaism represents a curse. And if you embrace that in Judaism, you were considered to be completely opposite of receiving the inheritance of God because anyone who died on a tree in Judaism was considered to be a curse. This is revolutionary that Jesus would tell Peter who in this text, just prior to this text, has confessed him as the Messiah. You are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And then Jesus says, if you want to follow me, pick up the cross. You want to follow me? Not just pick it up on Sunday. I want you to pick it up every single day. You want to follow after me? I want you to deny yourself. You really want to come after me, church? You've got to die. You've got to die to self. Well, let me, sh- let me tell you real quickly, and I'm going to close, because I-, I-, I can get very caught up, and I-, I lose track of time, and my wife's not here to give me that. <laughs> it's time to cut it off sign. <laughs> Dying to self literally means this. Everything that we do runs through the mind of Christ. Every decision that we make is not our decision, but as Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. Father, not what I want to do, but what you want me to do. I'm coming to confess to you all today, I did not want to be a preacher. Oh, no, 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 no. No, I had a lot of people tell me, oh, I think you're going to preach. I was like, oh, no, not me. God will have to do something miraculous in my life. He'll have to show up in such a miraculous way that, that, that I'll know unequivocally. And I laughed it off. And six years later, the miraculous showed up in my life. And I made a choice. And today, Maestro, if you could go to the last slide. I'm going to leave you with these words. These should be familiar words to you. I don't know who quoted it, but your pastor shared it with me. He said on Friday, we meet every Friday at the coffee shop. If you want to see us, just come by and press your face against the window. You'll see us and we're there. He said, all may, none must, and some will. All may pick up a cross. Revolutionary. Some actually will grab a hold of it. 
and know that they've got a tiger by the tail. But they are so committed to God, this revolutionary concept, that wherever it leads, they will follow. And then he said, but none must. The question today, as I close the message, is simply this. What will you choose? Will you choose to follow the radical Christ through letting this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus? Or will you make a choice to do something different? I want to share this as I close. I, um, your pastor and I are coming into a wonderful relationship with one another. We have both said, whatever happens, it is the work of God. Whatever happens. But he and I have covenanted to be friends, to love on each other, to be real with each other. And what I love about your pastor, don't tell him I told you this. <laughs> he is confident in Jesus Christ of who he is. And that's a wonderful thing because I don't get to run into too many brothers that are really confident in who they are. Most of the people I run into are intimidated. You know, don't sing because then, you know, they don't, they don't want you to come into their pulpit because they're worried something's going to happen. Don't be able to preach a little bit. Be halfway articulate. But I love your pastor because he knows who he is in Christ. And the question that I leave with you today is, who will you be in Christ? Will you lay hold on to the radical cross of Jesus Christ? Hold on for dear life and literally say, Lord, wherever you lead, I will follow. I've given you today what the Lord has given to me. May he bless you and may he keep you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. At this time, it says affirmation of faith. Your pastor and uh, Reverend Chappie share with me, do what you did before in relationship to affirming our faith. This is the opportunity now to affirm our faith. What that means to me is simply this. It is an opportunity for you to respond to the word of God. If you want to come for prayer, if you want to come to be a part of this fellowship, if you just want to affirm or reaffirm your faith in God, we now extend the invitation. May all come.